Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, 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 what are you up to today? It's Tuesday, Taste and See Tuesday. How are you going to help others taste and see that the Lord is good? What have you got planned for the day? What's on your agenda? Does it leave space? Um, Does it leave space for things that God might have planned? God might have uh, in mind? All right, so one of the um, headlines that you're going to encounter today, if you haven't already, is that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, well, she just had a hard time answering a very direct question about her own perspective. Like, what what do you say when people ask you um, what should the limits be in relationship to abortion access in the United States of America? And so... I just want to ask that question of each one of us. So you're asked directly. You're just asked the question directly. How do you answer? And you have heard me say more than once that I am pro-life from conception to natural death. Um, I am able to then articulate that from a biblical perspective. What does it mean to be pro-life from conception to natural death? It's God who conceives of a person before the foundations of the earth. It's God who knits a person together in their mother's womb. God is the author of life and the giver of it. Um, And if God is the one who gives life, God's the only one with a right to take it away. And so um, that informs then how I would work out a philosophy of abortion and a philosophy of capital punishment, a philosophy of um, euthanasia or physician-assisted suicide or suicide itself. And so if if you construct your position from the unmoving source of Scripture, then you are able then to apply that principle to any question that is asked. And, and the question asked in public, well, well, what do you think exactly should be the limit? Well, let me, let, me not, let me ask a different question, and let me just talk about life and what it is and who it's from and, and what that means and the responsibility that we would be taking into our own hands if we thought for a moment that we had the right to end the life of another person that God had created, that God was knitting together a person made in the image of God. Genesis one twenty seven would be absolutely um, emblazoned in the back of my thoughts as I was answering a question about um, when is it okay to terminate the life of another person. Um, and, you know, it, it is God who made them. God made them male and female. He, he created them. In his image, he created them. Um, and so... If you were to ask the direct question, 
would you rely on, well, I just want to see a restoration of a former Supreme Court decision, you know, as the law of the land? Or would you say, okay, well, here's the principles out of which I am constructing my philosophy related to this. I have a personal philosophy of life, and it grows out of the Lord and the giver of life and what he has said about life. Um, and I would be relying on the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, and I would and I would say so. I would say, you know, I'm I'm a Christ follower. Um, I believe that God is. I believe that God is the creator of all things, um, including every single person. Um, I believe that people are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God is the one who knits them together. And and so, you know, that I'm not disregarding the biological processes. I am saying that behind those biological processes and behind biology itself is a creator God. So do you see how you might be non-defensive in answering a very direct question about abortion and abortion, quote-unquote, rights by appealing to biblical principles? So the, uh, the FDA has signed off on an updated COVID vaccine. That is certainly going to be uh, a conversation that folks are going to be having in the culture today. We want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what what is happening in the world of medicine. Dr. Brett Nix is going to join us next from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We like to get a, a frequent checkup with the good doctor. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Brett Nix is back. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Carmen. How are you this morning? I'm well. I'm well. No, I have no tongue depressor. I want you to be free. <laughs> all good. All good. So um, there is a moral dilemma among American <clears throat> doctors. I feel like from a Christian worldview, there probably is less of a moral dilemma, but many American doctors may be not operating out of a Christian worldview. So kind of read us in on this conversation taking place across the country um, in relationship to you know, the freedom of doctors to not only think and believe, but to then practice medicine according to those beliefs. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. If we were to step back until 2018, uh, the term moral injury or moral distress was not in commonplace. It wasn't in the common vernacular. It wasn't what people talked about. Um, And there was uh, one of the physicians up in Maryland spent some time looking at this from a research perspective and noted that amongst physicians, there was a tremendous tremendously high rate of suicide uh, and started doing some digging and trying to look at this and came to realize that in this process of asking physicians and other care providers, nurses and others, um, how they felt about their jobs, many of them confided that they were struggling, complaining that they didn't have the time to talk with patients. They were being tasked to do things that they didn't believe, perhaps maybe morally or ethically aligned with their belief system. Uh, and in that became this issue of discussion uh, that we now know as moral injury. Uh, And this was heightened exponentially, of course, because of COVID. Think back, you know, handful of years, go back, it's 2023 right now, go back to 2020 and think to ourselves what we were facing, the challenges each each one of us were dealing with, maybe the loved ones we knew that had COVID, uh, maybe some friends or family members who had died from it and the uncertainty that we faced at that time. Imagine being a care provider who was being told one thing, another, and then physically, uh, dealing with this every single day, if you have a faith basis, uh, obviously the, the context of, of process, the oath that we originally take as physicians, 
you know, in, in, in easy summary is to prescribe the good for your patients and at all costs attempt to do no harm to anyone. Um, you know, when you look at these processes, the reality of things is and this was almost a snowball effect that led into COVID. Uh, and we can face it now, even though the circumstances are different. And you hit the nail on the head, first of all, which is what is it? What is the moral and ethical basis for the decision making of the individual? If you have a faith relationship with 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 God, if you follow you know the readings in Proverbs and, and you come to understand what it means to respect life uh, and to do the best with what you have, uh, but lean on God when your understanding is challenged and lean on those around you who may have expertise that you do not. Having that as an anchoring system is tremendously helpful. I cannot imagine practicing medicine, let alone much in life for that matter, uh, in the absence of the faith that I have. Uh, and that leads into this discussion that we see today that is pervasive in society, this content of moral injury, the challenges that we face with the inability to cope because of a lack of a moral ethical basis. I was thinking here um, about the resource of freedom to the number two care.org. If you're listening right now and you are uh, um, involved in, in healthcare in any way, a healthcare professional of any kind, um, we encourage you to check this out. Freedom to the number two care.org. Um, really, really providing resources, equipping resources to enable healthcare professionals to uphold these life honoring principles that are found in the traditional um, Hippocratic uh, oath, the medical ethics, um, you know, that we would derive from Hippocrates. Um, when you think about the Hippocratic oath and then you think about the demand today for patient autonomy, I wonder how many people arrive and they tell you what's wrong with them as opposed to waiting for you to tell them what's wrong with them. Well, I think it's, it's fascinating. Uh, it's not uncommon for someone to come into the emergency department with something that for them is a life-threatening concern, uh, and they come in and tell me what Dr. Google told them. Uh, they went online, they read about it, they uh, applied different information. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes it's, it's, it's good. The reality is that's almost the veneer of understanding. Here's what, I under, here's what I'm told I need uh, without perhaps the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of education and training and things that go into the background of that. And that becomes problematic. Uh, it becomes challenging uh, in part because, as most of us know, if you've ever seen a physician in the last handful of years, they are on a ridiculous time schedule. They may be able to see you for 15 minutes unless you have an exceptional group that allows for longer durations of stay. You can imagine the complexities of conversations around very difficult pieces uh, that people bring in, many times taking far longer than that, let alone in the emergency department when I have a helicopter landing, I have a gunshot that just arrived, I have a stroke that comes in, I have a heart attack that's coming in, and now I have a long conversation with someone uh, about something that is highly complex, perhaps ethically charged uh, and societally driven. And so herein lies one of the greatest challenges is there is a balance of autonomy. Yes, the patient should be able to make an educated decision, but it's amongst the physicians to be able to say, these are your options. These are the things that are appropriate for you. Uh, but at the same point in time, many times we are charged to do things or people to ask for things that actually might cause harm or we don't have enough information to make a decision. And in that circumstance, as a physician, that's where the bridge of autonomy and discretion have to come into play. Yes, we want patients to engage in their care. Yes, we want patients to take ownership. The level of personal responsibility in the United States is incredibly low. We want people to believe it. Uh, but you have others who say, well, physicians don't know everything. They're right. 
but we will share and we will tell you what we do know, what we believe is to be, to be the right next best step. Um, and in that process, that's, that's part of the practice of medicine. The one thing about medicine is very few things in medicine are 100% or 0%. And so there's this ebb and flow of dialogue that has to take place. We are in the midst of National Suicide Prevention Week, and we are going to talk with a good doctor here in just a moment about that. If, you, um, if you're having those kinds of thoughts or you know someone who is, we want to be quick to remind you of the resources available just by the very simple three-digit phone number 988. Um, and so we want to we want to start there, but we want to continue this conversation in just a moment. The prevalence of suicide deaths in the United States is certainly alarming. Um, and as Christians, we have a concern for each and every life. So we're going to talk with Dr. Brett next, next um, about, you know, how we can be engaged in not only being aware of, but helping to prevent suicides um, during this National Suicide Prevention Week. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word APP to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. We're talking with Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. He is an emergency department doctor. Um, Brett, this is a this is a difficult topic to talk about, and yet every single one of us knows someone. Um, we know a family, we know a friend, uh, we know a colleague who is dealing with, in, in active real time, dealing with um, the death by suicide of somebody that they love. Can you talk with us about suicide um, rates, um, suicide intervention, suicide prevention, Take this conversation um, wherever you will. This is a difficult conversation for a lot of people. And I'll be honest with you. I think that uh, culturally we have a challenge in the U.S. where we have to step into difficult conversations. Uh, suicide is one of them. And the biggest concern and the biggest fallacy that people have is simply this, that they have a fear that having a discussion with someone about suicide will increase the likelihood of them attempting suicide. And we know that not to be true. So hear me clearly have the conversations up front. What we know to be true in the U.S., uh, in 2022, there was almost 50,000 deaths by suicide in the United States alone. Uh, and when you look at the breakdown and you look at the process, it is, it is uh, shocking. As an emergency physician, I can go back 20 years, and it was very uncommon for me to see someone coming in uh, with um, suicide ideation, overdoses. Yes, we saw them, but nowhere near the rate that we do today. And many people ask, well, what happened? And I guess you can look at this, I would say, as most of us would, it's multifactorial. But I want everyone to think back. The change in the process with computers and things along those lines where we started to have the Internet. In 2008, we had the economic decline because of the banking industry and the housing market. Many people lost their jobs, their insurance. For those that had issues, may have, have shifted into substance abuse issues, which we know have become 
increasingly present in the U.S. For those that may have had underlying psychiatric issues, they may have lost their uh, counselor, their medications, or otherwise. We continued in this, then we went into a virtual space where many people grew into social media and lost connection with other people and their networks of support around them. And I think in that time, we've also probably seen in society a significant decrease in the ability to navigate coping of stressors. And then we had COVID. And if you look at this, each of these things build upon each other. And again, an enormous snowball effect such that now, you know, we see suicides, uh, suicide deaths in the U.S., about one death every 10 minutes uh, in the U.S. from suicide. Uh, And each of these issues are significant. We talk about the economic issues. We talk about the psychiatric issues. I think that, to be honest with you, most of us can appreciate this. Mental health and mental health disorders in the U.S., uh, it's an un- Uh, It's a forgotten population. It's an untreated population. It's an often ignored population because it's very difficult and it's very expensive, but it also requires a balance of community support and personal integrity of the individual because much of this is driven by substance abuse and substance abuse disorders. I cannot tell you the frequency by which I see young people who are now uh, in some states that have legalized marijuana. The concentrations of THC are so much higher than before that it's almost toxic to the brain. It's causing the neurotransmitters, the wiring of the brain to act funny. And we're seeing a lot more young people having these points of crisis uh, in a mental health space that we just did not see before. Uh, These things amongst so many others uh, continue to be in play related to this. And again, this week related to suicide uh, and suicide prevention. These are conversations we just have to have. I think in the midst of all of this, you know, we can talk about uh, the breakdown of the family. We can talk about um, the challenges of uh, the decline in church engagement and involvement, and therefore we have fewer and fewer of those third spaces where we might um, encounter one another and be of encouragement to one another and see signs. Um, you know, as as, as those um, places and spaces and opportunities to engage with one another disappear. We don't even have like the casual relationship with a person where we could where we could notice that something had changed or where they were um at a at a point of of particular distress. I think that's part of the challenge um Brett is that like I might see somebody and I perceive them to be in distress but I don't have any knowledge of who they are, where they're from. Um, I because I haven't had any place where I have intersected with them because we just don't have those. You know, it's not about having deep relationships. It's about having any relationship with some people. Absolutely. Think about this. When was the last time uh, for those that are listening or even for those that may be school age, you walked through a crowd uh, without looking at your phone? where you actually took a moment to look up and to recognize people's faces. You can tell a lot uh, if you are self-aware and the ability to look at other individuals and have the emotional connection to recognize exactly what you said. People are hurting out there. The, the social emotional support networks, whether this be church-based, community-based, uh, let alone the degradation of the family, the ability to establish relationships is essential, but resilience doesn't come by yourself. Resilience comes from those around you, the community that you have, the ability for you to, de- to develop a level of understanding and self-esteem, and more importantly, a belief that life matters, and a belief that your life matters, that God called you for a purpose. Uh, if you believe that, uh, you will stand much stronger when challenges face. Uh, but we see this endlessly in the emergency department. Those that are coming in, uh, they're destitute. They are struggling. 
And the vast majority of it is a lack of connection, the lack of community, and many of them, obviously, a lack of faith. Mm. All right. So we're going to encourage you, if you're listening, to to reach out today. Um, if you are struggling personally, um, just reach out to 988. That's a simple um, simple call that you can make or even text um, on your phone. Um, we we want you to know that life matters and your life matters. Um, the Hope Line is another resource that is uh, that is available all the time. It's a crisis text line. It's expressly Christian, and so we want to lift that up to you as well. You can check them out at thehopeline.com. Um, and if you're listening right now and you say to yourself, you know what, I could be a resource of encouragement to another person. Um, we're going to say to you today, don't don't be afraid. Press in. Walk into the pain of another person. Just just walk right in and say, "Hey, are you know are you okay? I just I just perceive that you're hurting. You don't have to tell them that it looks like they're hurting. You don't have to tell them it sounds like they're hurting. You can just say, "I perceive that you're hurting. I mean, if I'm wrong, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, but if I'm right, can we talk?" Um, Brett's right. People are hurting. Um, people are desperate. And you and I not only know the name of the one um, who holds out hope, we, we know hope itself because we know Jesus. And so this, this is, you know, let's bring the love of Christ to bear on the world that he so loves. Um, it's his heart's desire that none would be lost. And so let's let's press in today in this particular way. Brett, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us and shepherding our conversations in this area. That's uh, my pleasure, Carmen. Look forward to the next time. Yeah, absolutely. That's Dr. Brett Nix. You can find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association and uh, and online as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. What are little boys made of? Frogs and snails and puppy dog tails. That's what little boys are made of. What are little girls made of? Little girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of. What are you made of? Now, depending who asks the question, you're going to have a different kind of conversation. So if particular people say, you know, what are you made of? They are operating out of a scientism worldview that would answer the question, well, 99% of the body's mass is comprised of six elements, oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. Another 0.85% comes from potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, and magnesium. What are you made of? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to answer the question, well, it's not what I'm made of, but who made me that matters. And God made me. And God made you in his image. And God is making you right now by the present power of the Holy Spirit, bringing your thoughts captive to Christ, bringing your life into conformity with the Um, with the image of Christ. You're not self-made. That's a lie. You're God-made on purpose and for a purpose. How do kids arrive at this understanding of themselves? How do they grow up to understand who they are and who made them and what they're made of? Well, there's actually a recipe for that. We're going to talk with Katie Trent next about recipes for a sweet child. Creative Bible-based activities to help your family thrive and your children understand who they are and whose they are and why they're here.
That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's Taste and See Tuesday, and Katie J. Trent is here, author of Recipes for a Sweet Child. Katie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. All right. You, um, you're a really gifted and talented person with a wide range of uh, ministry experiences, life experiences, mom experiences. Um, you, you not only have um, experience like counseling kids in, in public school, but also developing this Christian homeschool community and um, family faith building academy. I mean, on and on and on. You're a super popular blogger and speaker. So we're we're excited to have you here with us. I bet there are people listening who are familiar with dishing up devotions. Uh, and so fun to have you here today to talk about recipes for a sweet child. Like what's behind this? What um, you know, what what did you encounter in your own life? What do you know other families are dealing with that provokes you to um, you know, want to speak into our lives in this way? Well, I've spent so much time praying and seeing so many families struggling. We know the statistics of kids turning away from their faith, and I just have felt such a burden. God, what is happening? What are we doing or not doing that's leading to so many kids falling away? And how can we prevent that? How can we teach and disciple our kids in a way that connects and a way that transforms their lives so that they never turn away from their faith. And so Recipes for a Sweet Child takes my own parenting and the things I've seen in counseling and ministry and says, the Bible has a solution for every problem we face. And that's something that I want my own kids to know and understand. And so I took those common struggles that they face and said, what does the Bible have to say about this? How can we help? And I'm all about relationship. I really believe that the stronger our relationship with our kids is, the more effective our discipleship will be. And so this book is a way to help parents to strengthen their connection with their kids and with Jesus together. That's so good. Um, I love the role of baking. Can you talk a little bit about the role baking plays in your family's everyday life? Yeah, so... Funny story, I am a terrible cook, like cannot cook to save my life. My husband does all of the cooking in our house. Well, now he's teaching our kids too. But so baking has always been something that brings me great joy. And I love to bless other people with treats. And so in my own mom, I have wonderful memories of her baking. And so with my kids, when we're together and we're baking, I have their full attention, right? From from a young age, our kids want to be in the kitchen with us. And so when we're baking something delicious, they're listening and they're engaging and we're having wonderful conversations. And that's when their walls are down and they're so open to whatever we're talking about. And that is where I found some of the best conversations we've had about Jesus and life. And so I said, what can we do to bring everybody together? That's food. And that is why baking is a huge part of what we do. Yeah, I mean, I just think that recipes and and choosing something and then measuring and um, being exact in our house, uh, Katie. Um, I I am not the baker because precision is required in baking, and and I am a cook. So I cook and other people bake. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that there's there's an importance of precision in baking that I just don't have. I say baking is a science and cooking is an art. And for me, yeah. that precision, I, I can make something turn out good if I follow that recipe, right? The science of it works. 
But cooking, you do have to be an artist. You have to be willing to throw things together. My husband would make these delicious meals and just put a little of this and a little of that and (laughs) have no idea what he did, but it tasted great. So you're absolutely right. You have to have some precision in baking. All right. So you said you've got these wonderful memories of your own mom baking. Can you um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I think it really stems from Christmas time, especially. I remember mm. my mom baking. I remember the house smelling wonderful. She was a single mom raising five kids. And so she worked so hard, but she always tried to make all the holidays special and she loved to bake as well. And so that's something that's so special is helping her in the kitchen and getting all of those, I mean, molasses crinkles and all these things, you know, that I remember and I can smell the smells of Christmas time, and they always center around baking for me. So I just love that. Um, So we're talking with Katie J. Trent, author of, among other things, Recipes for a Sweet Child. And yes, we are giving away copies today. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies we have here in studio, text the word book to 877-933-2484. This book includes these creative Bible-based activities to uh, to help your family thrive, for you to engage with uh, with your kiddos. Um, it's good good for grandmas, too. So, you know, go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, give us an example, Katie. Take us into uh, Recipes for a Sweet Child. Um, you know, what are some of the activities that you do as a family? Might seem unusual to a person who spends their time, like, running their kid from school to sports to clubs to rehearsal to performances. That's uh, That's not the rhythm that you're cultivating here. Yeah, well, and we do get busy in life. So these are all things that are meant to be able to be done in a short amount of time. So for anger, for example, let's just go into anger. We all struggle with anger. And so the way the book is set up is it's got a scripture to start with related to the struggle. And then it's got a devotion for the parent, the caregiver, the teacher, whoever's reading it, because we all know that we've got to have an understanding of something in order for us to be able to help our kids. So the devotion is for the adult. It kind of gives you an idea of, how to help the kid, what to think about, you know, just kind of walks you into that place. It uses a lot of the counseling and ministry skills. And then it's got a little parent's prayer to get you started, because we all know that if we are not praying and asking God for wisdom, whatever we do is not going to go as well as if we're taking it to the Lord first. And so it starts off in that way. And then it's got um, what I call a little teachable moment. So a lesson to teach your kids. So for anger, we're teaching our kids that anger is actually a secondary emotion. So there's something else that it's masking. There's something deeper than just the anger. Maybe they felt jealous. Maybe they felt left out. Maybe they felt embarrassed. So we're trying to help them stop and figure out what am I really feeling and how can I communicate that in a way that keeps that anger down. And then because Object lessons help our kids to visualize and see they need something concrete for those big abstract concepts. So for anger, we talk about anger being like a volcano and the anger bubbles up inside until eventually it erupts. And just like when lava erupts, it burns and hurts those that are in that general vicinity. So our anger can do when we allow it to erupt. And so we have a fun family activity, which is playing the floor is lava. And I don't care whether you have toddlers or teens, there is something so fun about mom and dad hopping from furniture to furniture and trying not to touch the floor. And so it's a great way to just laugh and connect with your kids. And then we have a conversation, a little discussion guide, because if we can cultivate, we can ask the right questions. We're going to dive deep in our kids and be able to 
hear what's in their hearts and know what's in their minds and help them to kind of redirect those thoughts. And so we have those discussion questions for you. And then you actually have two options for this one for baking. So we have don't blow it lava cakes. And one is like a traditional cake that you make in ramekins in the oven. And one is a super simple mug cake that you can make in less than five minutes and have that delicious treat easily in the microwave. And so that helps our kids to understand that concept. And all the recipes have what I call a baking buddy, which is like a little script that you read to your kids that connects what you're trying to teach them with whatever recipe you're making. And we actually have a free taste of that recipe. If you want the mug cake, it's actually on my website for recipesforasweetchild.com. You can download that free with a little baking buddy and give a little taste of that. So that's kind of the way they're set up. You can do it all in one day. You can do it throughout a week. Um, you can choose not to do the baking and do the other things. So it's really set up to help parents in whatever way they need. All right. You just uh, heard Katie give you the website for the book, recipesforasweetchild.com. You can also find her and all these resources at katiejtrent.com. Um, we're talking about recipes for a sweet child. So if you're searching for biblical answers for you know, some challenging parenting problems, or if actually you're just thinking, you know what, I need a parenting refresh. I need a fresh approach. I need some new ideas. I need a way to engage with with my child. Um, I need, I mean, this is a really good specific example on anger. Um, I need a way for me and my kid to have have a little bit of a cue that we can use for each other, um, even in public. So Katie, I saw um, a family at my church who clearly is in on this um this lava game so um so the kid was like hopping around in the narthex a little a little bit you know like the gathering area of our church you know hop, hopping around and i looked at his mom and i'm like hey what's going on and she's like well he's hopping over the lava of my anger right now <laughs> i thought i thought I think she's read Katie's stuff. I think she's in on this approach to life. And um, and so, you know, whatever was going on, you know, Sunday mornings can be stressful. We're not immune from that, even as churchgoers. And, um, and so it had obviously her anger at whatever had had evaporated when he started hopping around and was like, oh, I got to avoid that, that, that lava flow. You know, like, right, it changed it immediately. It changed whatever was going on in their relationship. And that's just so good. It's just so good to have some techniques. Oh, we got to take a break. Absolutely. I'm at the clock. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the clock, Katie. I'm in, I'm in charge of that. Hold on just a second. Katie J. Trent is here. We're talking about re- recipes for a sweet child. We're going to take a very brief break. And then we're going to be right back on this Taste and See Tuesday here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Katie J. Trent. The book is Recipes for a Sweet Child. Um, There are some things in the book that, you know, some people might consider 
like life changing because it really is a different approach, Katie, to um, to the way we're going to engage as a family with our kids. Um, maybe you've already heard some feedback that, you know, in, in the last month, maybe you've heard some feedback from some families who are encountering this material and this approach for the first time. Like what, what has surprised people about the book? I think the first thing that I hear a lot is how much it's helped the adults because so many Mm -hmm. of us weren't taught as kids how to navigate these challenges. And so for many parents that are coming to it looking for answers for their kids, they're finding hope and practical solutions for themselves as well. I had a mom say, wow, like my struggle with perfectionism, like you helped me with that or my struggle with anxiety, like this book was so helpful. And I've had, you know, even a person in our neighborhood, he's not even Christian. And he got the book because he loves all the treats that I provide for the neighborhood. And he wanted one of the recipes. And he was almost in tears just sharing about how the grief chapter really ministered to him and how God has given me such a gift. And so I love seeing adults recognize these concepts and God begin to work in their hearts as they look to helping the next generation. That's so good. That's so good. I, I want to just, I just want to celebrate it again. It's, um, it is a gift and, and you have delivered it in a, in a way that is, that's real and impactful and, um, and helpful. And so I just, you know, I just want to be one of those people that says, thank you. Um, Katie, I'm wondering, um, it's sort of at the intersection of, all right, kids who are being raised in a digital generation, um, maybe among an audience who would like to be limiting screen time, but finds that kind of difficult. Um, I mean, have you ever thought about maybe doing it as a show? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> this would be fun to watch. It'd be fun to watch on YouTube, you and your kids making these things. Yeah, you know, we've done a couple of videos for different like promo things, or I have what I call family faith building community, which is an online community Mm -hmm. of moms that are wanting to disciple their kids. And so once a month, we do virtual gatherings. So I call it like Baking Jesus Famous live interactive workshops where we're doing this and I, they have the recipe and we're all making it together and we're talking about the chapter, we're talking about the scripture, we're talking about the struggle. And so that is something I love. And I would love to do it. I mean, if the network wants to pay me to do it, that'd be great to see something like this for families. Because you're right, there's not a lot on television, on the screen that is good for families. And I think that's important that we recapture that family time. You mentioned earlier, we get so busy in life. We're running from here to there and there to here, and we're missing that family connection. And I believe that's what the enemy wants. So if we can just slow down and be more intentional in spending quality time with our kids and building relationship and building trust and helping them to see that God is in everything and everything connects to God and teaches us more about him, that is going to change our entire culture. If we can raise a generation of kids who love God passionately, love family, and really fight for the family. I'm wondering, um, Katie, you know, I think for homeschooling families, like there's moms listening right now who are like, oh, I could construct, (laughs) I could construct a day a week around this in my homeschool plan. Um, help, Help those who are not homeschooling their kids. Like you have some ideas for how you can incorporate and integrate recipes for a sweet child into the rhythm, you know, of a life that's not marked by homeschooling. Absolutely. The reason it centers around food and those family times is their short little connections. So even the lesson you're talking about spending 
10 to 20 minutes as a family doing kind of that devotional time together of saying, let's look at the Bible and what it says about this topic. And you're diving into that together. So you can do that in a morning. You can do that in an evening after dinner. You can have that discussion right alongside of it. And then maybe another night during the week, you play the game, or maybe another night during the week, you do the baking, or you save that for a Saturday. You know, you start your Saturday mornings doing this. This is something that really all of these can be done in pretty much an hour or less. Um, There's a dolce de leche donut that requires (laughs) making the dolce de leche in the oven, and it sits there for patience for like three hours. But otherwise, most of them are very simple, very easy to do so that you can do it in any rhythm of your life. And it's so versatile. You can pick it up and put it back down. It doesn't have to be done in a specific order. (laughs) Yeah, you got to leave it in there and you got to wait patiently. And um, and yeah, you can look at it, but you can't you you can't mess with it. It's it's yes. such a lesson, such a lesson in patience. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, all right. So um, I just love it. I love the approach. Um, you know, the, uh, those who are listening right now, they know that uh, I, I love the whole approach of helping people to taste and see that the Lord is good and make Christ known to them in the breaking of bread. And so, Katie, thank you so much for this delightful approach to a conversation about parenting. The book is Recipes for a Sweet Child, Creative Bible-Based Activities to Help Your Family Thrive. You can connect with Katie at katiejtrent.com. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies of Recipes for a Sweet Child we have to give away today, Uh, Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. I can't believe um, our time together has gone so quickly today. I I really genuinely appreciate um, the gift of your time, the gift of your presence, the gift of a conversation. What a blessing. Um, Thank you so much. This is uh, September, and that means that here at Faith Radio, at the Faith Radio Network, um, we are talking about how God is going to gather in the resources, not only for the continuation, but for the amplification of this ministry to more and more people. So I hope you're praying with us about that. Um, We have a week of on-air fundraising coming up at the end of September. For those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that this is a part of the regular rhythm of who we are and how this ministry is funded. But if you're new to Faith Radio, maybe you are listening to this as a podcast and you say, oh, you know, she says radio, but I really didn't think she meant radio. Yeah, we actually we actually mean radio. So Faith Radio is a radio network We are a part of Northwestern Media, which is a part of the ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul in in the Twin Cities, in a state called Minnesota, in the United States of America. But you might be listening, um, you know, in one of, I don't know, something like 110 or 150 countries around the world. And so welcome. Um, Thank you so much. We, um, We adore the opportunity. We just love the opportunity of sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus with more and more people. And it happens through the listener support of people like you. And so if you have benefited from the ministry, um, it, it exists because someone like you gave in the past. And so if you are interested in helping us to pay it forward, so that not only can we continue to broadcast and um, 
and, and reach people for Jesus, but that you can continue to be encouraged in your faith, that you could grow in your discipleship, that you could be equipped to walk your faith out into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. So you can always give. You can text the word give to 877-933-2484. You can give online at myfaithradio.com. Um, pray with us in advance of the fall fundraiser coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, we just genuinely want to say thank you to each and every one of our listeners who supports us financially and prayerfully. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.